Hi everyone, welcome back to the Feeling Good Sometimes podcast. It's Ellie Duff, your host, and I'm so excited that you're here. Today is, uh, well, when this comes out, it's May 2nd, it's not May 1st. I'm doing this edit on May 1st, so welcome May, if you're listening as we release. And May is also Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're kicking it off with an episode which is focused a lot on mental movement and geared towards mental movement with children. But we do talk a lot about how it can relate to us as adults, but also such the big impact that we can have on children in our lives and kind of teaching them what mental movement is and taking it in a direction of we focus so much on our physical health and especially for kids we have them in sports we have them getting their daily exercise in whether they're playing outside or whatever they may be doing it's such a huge component of their lifestyle and sometimes things like feeling their emotions their feelings taking deep breaths just like learning those small but really impactful things get forgotten. So in today's episode with Natalie Von Teichman, we talk about that um, and it's really great. I had such a fun time recording with Natalie. I know Natalie quite well, so it was really fun. And we do talk about her new business called Mindfully, where she does actually have something called Tate, which is fully known as Meditate. It is a plush puppy that guides you through meditations for children. So, and now teens actually. So it's really, really cool. And we do talk a little bit about that, but mostly we talk a lot about meditation and what it can do for you. So I hope you love today's episode and I will see you on the other side. Hi, Natalie. Welcome to the Feeling Good Sometimes podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Excited to be here. Yay. Yeah. So I start every episode with asking how you're feeling. So how are you feeling today in this moment or just in general? You know, I am sitting in a spot at my desk where I'm looking out the window and I took the dog for a walk this morning and Mm -hmm. there's something I'm feeling like transitionary, Mm -hmm. something like whether it's the seasons are changing or um, I'm feeling inspired, like I'm feeling a sense of maybe growth, you know, and, and that feels really nice. So I feel, I feel that that's coming mm-hmm. from. I also feel that especially this week, I think, because as we were talking about earlier, that the winter has been so long and technically we've been in spring for, I don't know, like maybe three to four weeks now, but we're only really now getting spring weather and just like having a blue sky is like a big game changer. <laughs> The blue sky and that feeling of, you know, when you step out your front door yeah. and it's, oh my gosh, I, it's warm. Like it's I that air. And I don't know. I mean, in our house with our four boys in our backyard, we just tend to have our back door open. I mean, until the bugs start getting really bad, mm-hmm. but that feeling of like the fresh air. And especially mm-hmm. for those of us, you know, who live up here in Canada, yeah. we can't always do that all year round. And and I will say, I, I was saying to the boys this morning that I, I do love the transitions in the weather. I think people traditionally have a hard time with transition. Kids mm-hmm. have a really hard transition, some more than others. But certainly, um, it's always an opportunity, I think, to sort of reevaluate. Okay, mm-hmm. I've been through this season. I've been through this thing. You know, this is a time for me to sort of not start anew, but take the things like in yoga Um, we talk about it as like Shoshin, it's a beginner's mind. And so, you know, it's this idea of, okay, it's a new, it's something new and that feeling can be very liberating. So, yeah, it's kind of like the transitions of life, like this, you're in so many different seasons within one year, but I think because especially in Ontario where we're both based, our winters are so long And sometimes we miss a lot of like the fall, spring. So when the warm weather does come, we appreciate it a lot longer. And especially like, I feel like when you get older, it's like the green grass. (laughs) You're like, oh my gosh, like I forgot what this looked like. Or when you start to see flowers bloom or like, even if I walk outside around our house, like there's still not really anything blooming, but it's just like, oh, there's some like green 
um, onion growing from like leftover from last year. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Even though everything else looks like dirt, it's just like really cool. And you can definitely relate that to kind of yourself and just um, going through the different phases and growth and everything like that. Yeah, we have a real connection with nature, right? I mean, we're in Mm -hmm. nature all the time and it's this idea. And, you know, I talk about this a lot. We have like things that are outside of us and things that are inside of us. And so, you know, this idea of transitioning when we do have a different season and how we relate to that transition and how we work through it. And, you know, sometimes different transitions are more difficult than others, but that doesn't mean that they're bad. It just might mean that a maybe we're learning something from it, or, you know, maybe we slip into a transition or a season a little bit easier than others. I find it tends to be a little bit easier to go from like the cold weather into the warm weather as I get older. (laughs) (laughs) I like, I talk to my boys all the time. I'll say like, what's your favorite season? And one of them is always like winter. I love the snow. And, Mm. you know, I find for myself as I've gotten older, I like this. I, I love the idea of, you know, the holidays coming and and mm. we celebrate we celebrate Christmas. So I love that time of year. But almost like once, you know, January comes, I'm like, okay, we can move yeah. on with the snow from here. Um, but it's neat to see how, you know, how they think about it and how for them it's like playing in the snow. It's snowboards. Right. It's it's skiing. It's, you know, um, making snowmen, which are things that as adults, we ski maybe, but we're not really making a ton of snowmen, you know, after the age of, of 30, it seems so. Well, I'm not making yeah. snowmen. <laughs> Come on, Allie. <laughs> but yeah, no, once you get older, it's like you have to deal with driving in the snow and then cleaning your cars and doing your driveway and all this kind of stuff. So you, yeah, it's just kind of like the whole premise of life, right? The older you get, the more play you lose. And kind of like can tie that into within seasons, right? We we generally forget to like play and add that kind of fun component into our life. And it's more kind of like work, life, balance, stress, everything else that happens as you age. Um, but yeah, I feel like you've become quite the mindfulness and meditation guru. <laughs> um, and I'm really curious what kind of pushed you in the direction or were you always focused on like using meditation and mindfulness you know when and I'm not sure some people can relate to this but I when I finally got to what I'm doing now I Mm -hmm. finally had this feeling like all of my puzzle pieces came together and so all of the things I've been doing in my life the things that I've enjoyed the things that I pushed myself through that I didn't enjoy but I did Mm -hmm. because they were socially the norm or I was Mm. told you should do this Mm -hmm. um all of the things sort of worked for me so you know your question of was this something you always had in you Mm -hmm. I think yes yes Mm -hmm. but I never would have known that until I got here right um because I think back to some of my favorite moments as a child And those are moments, actually, I remember doing a meditation class in gym and this was back when like, really at all. Yeah. Like on, on a mat, one of those old mats that you get in in the gym. And I remember laying there and my drama teacher, he was doing, I don't know why I remember it being my drama teacher. Maybe it wasn't my, maybe it was my gym teacher. I can't remember, but it was a teacher and it was a male. (laughs) And I remember him taking us through this really amazing meditation. And I remember it feeling so good and and just so calming for me and you know when I was a little girl I remember laying on my front lawn Mm -hmm. and my dad mowing the lawn and I remember looking up at the sky so those moments of sort of stillness and quietness Mm -hmm. I remember really loving them I don't know if that's because my brain is sort of wired or was wired as whether it it is a combination of genetics and my how I was socialized and my environment growing up to be a very type a mm-hmm. very um you know focused perfectionist type of mm-hmm. person so maybe when I had those moments of calm they were just so beautiful for me right. that I remember them um so you know your question of did I have it in me from a young age I think I did but I think I didn't allow myself to yeah feel. yeah because I think the outside noise in my life got too loud for mm. me to listen to my inside um, mm-hmm. self for a long time. And so, uh, you know, here I am now. And and how did I get into this? It really started 
it was a story actually through COVID, like so many mm -hmm. things that were born through COVID. And I shouldn't say it just started in COVID, but my my business started in COVID where my mindfulness, my yoga practice, that started before COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would certainly say that, you know, my experience going through when it became something that was really going to be, be a part of my life from a business perspective, from a, you know, an, an imperative part of living my life personally, but also as a mother for my children. And then as someone who really wants to make some changes in the world around this, this idea of mindfulness in children became, I would say through COVID. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my story through COVID is, um, I was, you know, it's, it's to make a long story short, I was diagnosed. Uh, I, it was actually literally the end of February, like I remember. very, very end of February. Do you remember this? Yeah. And I had come back from Vail on a girl's ski trip mm -hmm. and I felt sick. And my husband mm -hmm. said to me, I think you have that virus. And I was like, the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he was like, yes, the coronavirus. I said, Andrew, I do not have the coronavirus. And so he, we were supposed to go to Florida. He sort of mm -hmm. convinced me to go to the hospital. I got tested. Long story short, our bags are packed. We're ready to go to Florida. Like literally our plane is leaving in four hours mm -hmm. and I get a call from public health and I've got my Advil with me in case I need to pop some, you know, on, yeah. the, on the plane. And I get a call from public health that I did have the corona, have COVID. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, really I, I, I smile about it now, but Ali, it was one yeah. of the most terrifying moments in my life because I was the 29th person in yeah, Canada. Yeah, I was going to say you were one of the first. Yeah, to have COVID. And, you know, I literally kicked everyone out of the bedroom, shut the door and didn't leave for, for 11 days and mm -hmm. was locked in my bedroom feeling quite sick, mind you. Yeah. You know when you... Like, you know, when you have the flu and you're like, oh, am I going to make it out of this? Like, you feel yeah. terrible. You know yeah. you will. You yeah. know you will because it's the flu. But... um when you have a virus that no one in this world has seen and mm -hmm. you know really nothing about it, um, it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I made a big, I sort of sat there. And when I started feeling a little bit better, I realized that, wow, you know, Natalie, you're physically pretty fit, mm -hmm. but mentally, where are you at mm -hmm. right now? And, 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 and life is full of challenges and how are you going to deal with them? And then more importantly, how can you start teaching your kids when they're mm -hmm. younger? Because I thought to myself, gosh, if I had had a mental practice or if I had had strategies or tools to really help me through some of the stuff I've been through in my life, and this sort of came to a head, mm -hmm. where would I have been able to fare this better? Because I ended up actually getting um, post-traumatic stress syndrome after having COVID. Yes. Yeah. And that was yeah. terrible. <laughs> so that was not fun. Yeah, I was going to say, and I remember you talking about, yes, getting sick, but what happened afterwards and kind of the anxiety around it and just kind of trying to get back into normal life. But we weren't in normal life for, I mean, we're three years later now, like just three years later, right? And our life is somewhat back to normal, but it's never going to go back to the way it was. And for some people, that's really great. For some people, it's not so great. Um, I feel like a lot of people had quite a lot of awakenings through the pandemic, which I'm going to say you did as well when it came to your mental health. Um, so yeah, what what did it look like after? Because you did say that you had post-traumatic stress. And I'm just curious, like, what did you do for yourself through this time while also like you're a mom of four you have a well you hadn't started the new business yet but like you and your husband have a business like there's so much going on and it's not like you can just like stop everything and take care of yourself like this so what was the process like for you yeah I mean I I kind of had to like I was really in a bad spot mm -hmm. mentally I was feeling like I still had COVID in me, I started getting health anxiety. So right. thinking that every little thing that was wrong with me 
was still COVID. And in, in mm. my defense, you know, because I was so early, yeah, I had the doctors from our local, our big hospital in Toronto and public health every day calling me for basically 27 days, twice a day to report on mm. my temperature and to report on my symptoms. So it became this like psychosomatic thing. I would wake mm. up in the morning and like, be like, Oh, what's wrong today? What is it? Yeah. And, you know, your mind is so powerful. You can mm -hmm. make yourself sick. And so I started doing that. And, you know, I realized after a couple of months that I just, I couldn't get out of it. Like I couldn't get mm -hmm. out of this anxiety feeling that I never mm -hmm. felt. It was terrible. Um, I wasn't being present with my children. They would talk to me and I, it was like, they were going wah, 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 wah. And I, yeah. I was trying so hard that I was strangling it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I realized, I think I need some help. So I actually ended up talking with a therapist nice. who was phenomenal. Awesome. And in that work, she did a lot of mindfulness at the okay. same time. I got into a group of girls. One of my girlfriends started a 21 day meditation challenge. Mm -hmm. And I thought, mm, I've done pranayama. I've done some like some stuff, but I'd never really done it. I'd kind of like done it to say I do it, but right. I didn't really fully. Do yeah. It. You weren't really There's engaged. There's a difference yeah. between like doing it and feeling it right. Mm -hmm. Like saying it and living it. Like, so I did that. I committed myself and I said to my husband, just, I just need a little bit of support here, but I need to go deep here. Mm -hmm. And it was incredible between getting a little bit of help talk wise and mm -hmm. the meditation and the meditation was just like mind boggling how mm -hmm. much I realized that my brain was in this like anxiety state, this fight yeah. or flight. Like yeah. I was stuck in my parasympathetic nervous system, mm -hmm. which is, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like that, that like fight or flight part mm -hmm. of your brain. Right. And I needed to try to at least experience a little more parasympathetic activation, which is your rest and digest. And I just, mm -hmm. I couldn't get there. But when I started meditating and when I started calming my brain, almost like I like to compare almost an anxious brain to sort of like, in my mind, this is how I like to think about it. It's almost like if you get a cut on your hand and you're bleeding, you're bleeding, you're bleeding, you're not going to start thinking about the the cream you're going to put on it to manage the scar. What you're mm -hmm. going to do is you're going to stop the bleeding, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, that bleeding acute stage is like when your brain is in that anxious state. So you have to do what you can do to try to calm that brain down and then you can start to manage it, right? Then you can manage yeah. the cut and 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 focus on that. And so I did that. I just really committed and I, I, it made such a big difference. And when I realized how meditation and mindfulness and this feeling of, of sort of, in a way, the way I like to talk about it for me was mental fitness and mental mm -hmm. resilience. Like I started thinking, okay, I used to go out and run 15 kilometers a day and, you know, do a ton of like just physical fitness. That was yeah. my thing. I couldn't mm -hmm. do that anymore because I was sick. I was right. really sick. And because my sickness was a health anxiety, I was scared that if I walked around the the, the block or if I got my heart rate up at all, because I was having mm -hmm. issues after COVID with heart, with some heart. Yeah. Sort of and then like fluttering stuff. You have your, does your anxiety live in your chest? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. It lives right there. And mm -hmm. so it's my heart rate. Right. And so yeah. I was really scared to go, to go there. So yeah. I realized, okay, if I can't physically do push-ups and sit-ups with my physical body, maybe I can try to do some push-ups and sit-ups in my mental body. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I adopted it. And I went in, went in mm. deep. Yeah. Cool. It really yeah. Cool. It's, did you find that when you started to do it, like you had, well, I don't know if it would necessarily relate because you were kind of like coming off an illness, but your body was fighting it like oh, yeah you had a hard oh, time Allie. to sit still and like yeah because that's I mean, kind of the biggest hurdle right is getting when starting to meditate and getting into kind of like that state and basically what you're trying to achieve when you meditate I mean I'm not any expert but is that you're trying to really regulate your central like your nervous system and a lot of like where anxiety lives is within our nervous system so if our nervous system is just like firing like we're in that fight or flight then our anxiety is also like spiraling as well but if we can work on 
kind of like regulating our body and our central nervous system that also helps down to bring down anxiety, like you said. But the whole, like it's that hurdle of recognizing that you kind of have to shut out the outside noises to be able to even get into the state of meditating, but also allowing your body to just rest and sit. And and I think that there's this misconception. I mean, I can tell you if Natalie Von Teichman, who could never lay through a Shavasana in a yoga class, Ali, I Mm -hmm. could not do it. I would do yoga and I would do like sit-ups or something after because I would be like, got to keep pushing, pushing. You know, I had these four boys. We had two boys, tried to have a girl, got twin boys. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I went into like full on just get stuff done mode, you know, and, and I, that's where I just sort of lived in that space for so long. And for a while, it served me really well. I got so mm-hmm. much done. I pushed, 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 pushed. And all of a sudden I pushed until I couldn't push anymore. Yeah. And I think that's why I got so sick when I had COVID. I think it mm-hmm. was like everything was leading up to bringing me to where mm-hmm. I am right now, sitting in this chair, talking to you. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting about meditation is if I can meditate, if my four boys can lay still and do mm-hmm. this for busy, busy, active, Forty crazy idea harebrained boys can do this. I literally feel like anyone can do it. And I think uh-huh. part of the problem with meditation is the definition around it. And I think right. that, you know, there's meditation, there's mindfulness, there's pranayama, which is breath work. There's so many different uh-huh. things and it can be very confusing. But I think, A, you need to sort of find what works for you, just like an exercise program, right? Some people are more into weight, some are more into Pilates, some are more into cardio, it's uh-huh. whatever. And and frankly, it changes with time. So, you know, maybe you're into something you love doing Pilates for a year or two, and then you think, I kind of want to change it because my body's craving something else. Same Mm -hmm. with meditation. If you think of this as like mental exercise, it's a really interesting way to, to understand it. And I think when people are starting to meditate, you know, back to your question of, was it hard for me to sit still? Um, it, it was, but I think the the biggest thing was educating myself around a, I had accountability. So I had a group of women who right. were doing it with me. We would do a meditation. We'd say day one done. So I felt supported. So mm-hmm. that was the first thing that was really important. So knowing that other people were doing this and having a community was mm-hmm. really important. The second thing was, um, I think this idea of meditation, keeping your mind void of thought, and, you know, being completely still is so unattainable. And I've said mm-hmm. this before, and I, I heard this once, and it's so brilliant. Trying to get your mind to be void of thought is the same thing as trying to get your heart to stop or start beating. Mm-hmm. We don't have mm-hmm. control over, That's we don't good. wake up in the morning and say, okay, heart, start beating, stop beating. It's, it's, right. it's, part of our, it's part of our body that is just automatic, right? Same thing with thoughts in our head. We cannot, it is not possible to say, okay, thoughts, stop thinking because mm-hmm. that's just not, it's like saying to your heart, stop beating. Yes. So what we try to do with meditation is we just try to refocus, refocus. Mm-hmm. So every time we refocus, that's a push up. Every time we redirect back to whether it's a mantra or your breath or listening to to somebody guide you through something. And all of a sudden you've been listening to someone for eight minutes. And then you're thinking about what you're making for dinner. It's Mm -hmm. not a like, Oh, that's bad. I'm bad at meditating. And I think that's what people do. Yeah. It's a, Oh, this is an opportunity for me to do a push up, a mental push up. Hang on a minute. I'm going to bring it back to listening to the person who's guiding me or to the mantra. Mm -hmm. So it's this idea of not being so hard on ourselves Mm -hmm. about trying to be still and void. I mean, that's, it's just impossible, you know? So I think that's a really important thing to, to tell people when you're starting a mental fitness practice. I like to almost call it a mental fitness practice versus a mental meditation practice, because we just are so scared of that word, you know? Yeah. Or like mental movement. If you're not a fitness person, like we know the science behind getting movement for our body and how and what it does to our endorphins and then what it does to our mental health. Um, but yeah, if you kind of think of it like, yeah, mental movement for your your mind. And your yeah, brain. and I love that, Allie. I think that's a really good point because you're mm-hmm. right. Not everybody is, you know, I think about it from even from perspective of children. Right. Is that, you know, a lot of kids are, even if they're not 
into crazy sports, they will, they love to go outside and run yeah. around on the grass or, but yeah. so it's movement. It's a yeah. really good point. It's a, it's a mental movement practice. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's a really great point about what you made about uh, meditation, because I do feel like there's a big, I don't want to call it stigma, but there's just a big label on what it is. And I think I'm assuming it's just because of the way I'm no, I have no history of meditation and how it actually started, but I'm assuming it just started with people sitting. Like, do you know the backstory? Of yeah. It? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's meditation has been around forever yeah. and ever and ever. And, you know, what's interesting as, as our sort of Western society has adopted yoga and has adopted yeah. wellness practices and all these other things, we've sort of been introduced to it and it's become a little bit fatty and it's become, mm-hmm. you know, a thing, but, but the reality is it's really good. It's Mm -hmm. really, really good for so many reasons, partially because, you know, we live in a society right now where we are so, everything is so on demand. Everything is so quick. We are not, you know, I was saying this the other day to someone when, when we used to watch television as I have two little sisters and when we were little girls, we'd watch television. Let's say we're watching cartoons and we were watching a cartoon that we really loved. Mm -hmm. And then a commercial came on. We had to sit and wait wait. for the commercial. And the commercial might've been about, tires or window frames like something Mm -hmm. we were like what but we had to wait Mm -hmm. or we got up and we did something else and came back but we had to wait and then if the show was over and uh, I remember as a kid like my sisters and I weren't into and this is like you know we didn't love I remember always the G.I. Joe (laughs) coming on and we would be like (laughs) not that not the girls can't watch G.I. Joe they absolutely can but I know remember back in the day my sister was always being like oh we hate this and and you know it was like well I guess we either watch it or we get up and we do something else. Yeah. And so this, mm-hmm. uh, this society of on demand, on demand, on demand, mm-hmm. you can have, you can say, well, this is the future. And, and okay, it is. But what's happening is we, our brains are just, are so exhausted from the constant mm-hmm. stimulation mm-hmm. of always, you know, I watch these YouTube shorts, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that my boys will sometimes put on. And you just see their little brains flicking through, flicking through, flicking through and, and fine. Okay. You know, some of them are quite hilarious and kind of funny and there's some really great stuff out there, but what is that constant on demands doing to our brains and doing to their young brains? And, and, and if we're going to be engaging in this stuff, which is the way it is. Okay. Then let's try to do something to sort of counterbalance or, or strengthen complement mm-hmm. it exactly yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of crazy when I was talking to my mom about this the other day I don't know what we were talking about and it was just like oh we never used to worry about this or know this and it was just because like we you didn't have internet like we didn't have internet on our phones or we didn't have anything to see things quicker and like I think we were just talking about how life wasn't as stressful <laughs> but it's just because you can get information like in 0.2 seconds on your phone like you can ask your phone what is this can like you talk to siri i don't know you find everything on social media like you search in the tiktok bar and you can find your answer like that and from all these people's opinions and yeah we are like getting basically wired to an electronic device and the whole notion of like mindfulness and meditation doesn't come from you staring at your screen it actually the whole thing of mindfulness and how it can relate to your health and your mental health is like taking in your surrounding and stopping and being aware of where you are. It has a lot to do with self-awareness, which is really lacking in people's mm-hmm. lives because I think to become super self-aware, you have to put in a lot of work in self-development. And unfortunately, you most people have to kind of like hit their rock bottom, bottom to then learn okay, like I need to actually be in tune to my body and learn when my stressors go off, how can I then regulate myself? But we're so enheightened into, and I'm very overstimulated. I don't think people are aware how overstimulated we are. Like in an environment where you can get things like this and yeah, we just expect it with everything. We want everything fast and right now, and then we move on. And then it's just like that that spiral so it's really kind of freaky when you think about it with kids and how they're growing up and how to navigate that but that's something that you're kind of like pushing into Mm -hmm. and and I think that you know 
before we get into talking about that, the one last point I want to make about it is that, you know, it's, it's going to be a battle to fight and say, we're going to totally get rid of devices and we're going mm-hmm. to totally, you yeah, know, I remember my husband that. saying, I remember Anders saying once, like, you know, the phone is the cigarettes of our, of our generation, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. but here's the thing. We have to find a way to, to live with it. And, and yeah. listen, there's some great things. There's some great things that have come out of social media. There's mm-hmm. great things that have come out of devices and, and all of these things. But, you know, I have to wonder why are we seeing such unbelievable rates, high rates of anxiety in children. And, and I, you know, people blamed it on the pandemic. And I do think certainly the pandemic like catapulted into the stratosphere, but you know, these kids that are constantly being stimulated all the mm-hmm. time, our brains are just not, mm-hmm. it's just not built to always be on. We have to be able to, you know, I talk about earlier about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous yeah. system. Yeah. And, you know, I always say, and I, I heard this once in, in one of my yoga teacher trainings is that, you know, these are like two gears in your brain, your sympathetic and your parasympathetic. And we have to be able to function in both. So we have to mm-hmm. be able to function in that sympathetic where we're, we're on, we're engaged, we're, you know, on the computer, playing a video game, running outside, you know, whatever we're, we're engaged. And then we also have to be functioning in that other part, the rest and digest. Mm-hmm. And so th- these two gears, we need to be able to go back and forth very easily between the two of them. Mm -hmm. So we're not stuck in one or stuck in the other. Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to do this multiple times a day. And so do children. And I think one of the things that we can do is we can learn that our breath, our breath inside of us is actually almost like the oil that oils the gear shifter Mm -hmm. between the Mm -hmm. two. So, you know, how can we regulate? How do we learn about emotional regulation? How do we learn about these things? And, you know, if we can teach them to kids when they're young, at the same time when they're learning, it's easier as a kid to learn stuff. I mean, that's why we Mm -hmm. learn how to ski, how to ride horses, how to ride a bike when Mm -hmm. we're, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, because Mm -hmm. of a couple of reasons. A, you know, the brain is primed, you know, it's, it's the right time. The prefrontal cortex is developing. But, you know, kids under the age of eight are predominantly in a theta brainwave state. And so they mm-hmm. are in a very suggestible time in their life. And so these are times when we can actually start helping them learn about their authentic self and learn about these tools like their deep breath or like what it feels like to be calm, not just not just saying calm, but actually mm-hmm. that idea that I explained at the beginning of our conversation about laying on the mat in the gym and yeah. f- feeling calm because once we feel something we really remember it that much more than if we just hear it or say it yeah yeah. and so this is a great time it's like learning a language and so we Mm -hmm. teach kids these 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 ideas these concepts these tools these mental resilience mental movement tools when they're little so that they can carry them with them as they get older Mm -hmm. and inevitably you know, encounter really more uncomfortable situations that we all will encounter. Yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing if this was just like normal that you learned this as children and then that way when you don't hit your 20s, 30s, 40s, I don't know, some people 50s, 60s, 70s, they're still trying to figure out how to regulate their emotions or just like learn what their emotions are teaching them or know what feelings are like, gosh, I could have been a different human. (laughs) Right. It's my dream is why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's not for anything else, except that what I see in our house, what I've seen, what I hear from people who reach out to me with what I've started doing with, with Tate, you know, I'm blown away at the power that these and kids teach us. I mean, to give you an Mm -hmm. example, they're so smart. Oh my God. They're so smart. And you know, the other day, as you know, we have four boys Mm -hmm. and they're all playing in the basement. We have like, our basement is like a basement slash mini stick rink court, (laughs) not a rink, like, but like, it's like a full mini stick situation down there. And so they're playing mini sticks. And I have so many examples. I'm going to use this one because I've, I've told a couple other people about the other examples in different podcasts. So I'm going to do something different. Um, So they're playing and, you know, I hear a big scream and you mm-hmm. know, you know, as a mother, the, the scream, you know, the scream, 
Yeah. The sh- there's a shrill scream that you yeah. get up and go. And then there's all the other screams that you mm-hmm. kind of sort of turn your head quietly, especially that having four boys, I don't, yeah. I do not jump. And I said, Oh, is everyone okay? You know, anyways, this one made me jump. Yeah. So I ran down and of course, you know, one of the twins has got a bump the size mm, of I saw that. a yeah, giant on his head. And, and what had happened, you know, right when I looked at it, I tried to make sure my eyes weren't sort of, you know, you give the eyes because they're looking at you like, am I okay? And what do you see? I can't see it on his head. So you've got to be really careful as a parent to not go, you know? And so I'm looking at it saying to myself, Natalie, stay calm, stay calm. So, you know, carry him upstairs and carry my giant nine-year-old upstairs because I still, they're still my babies. So I'm like, I'm trying to carry them as long as I can, the youngest two. And, and, you know, we're sitting there. And I'm putting it on his head and all these thoughts are going through my head. The thoughts are going, do we have to go to the hospital? Does he have a mm-hmm. concussion? Does this need stitches? Yeah. Um, is he going to all of a sudden pass out on me? Where's the ice? Like what right. the heck happened? What happened? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Why, where did this come from? Was it, was it a wall? Was it a couch? Was it a, who knows? And so, you know, as I'm working, all these thoughts are flinging into my head and bouncing mm-hmm. around my brain and all these emotions. He, I looked at him and all of a sudden he took this huge deep breath in. Mm-hmm. And a huge deep breath out. And then he took another couple deep breaths. And as he did this, A, a couple of things happened. A, he stopped crying. He self-regulated beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. B, it prompted me as his mother, Mm -hmm. who I thought I was doing a pretty good job staying calm. Like I wasn't freaking, Mm -hmm. but I was still, I was freaking inside. He enabled me to go, it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And start rationally dealing with the situation. So, right. you know, I didn't know at that point, we still, he still may have had a concussion. We still may have been going to the hospital, right. but I was able to transition into this like state where I was like, okay, I can, I can pry, I can look at my thoughts and I can start to, you know, put them into their place. They're not, they're not monkey braining in me so much. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible how this nine-year-old taught me this, but we've been working in our house about this power of your breath. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you don't cry. It doesn't mean that you don't feel feelings at mm-hmm. all. You need, in fact, completely the opposite. You need to feel feelings. If you get hurt, you're going to cry. Yes, you are. It hurts. Yeah. Um, but, you know, once we get through that initial reaction, how do we kind of, how do we regulate? How do we work through this and move forward? And so there's some really beautiful things when you teach young children about this power that they have. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, our kids in our house, and I think a lot of the kids who are starting to engage with, with Tate are starting to understand this idea that, you know, wow, we have this ability, this control inside of ourselves. And when I say the word control, I'm always careful about using that word because mm, you know, yeah, for those yeah. of us who have had issues with control, I actually have an opinion that I think we're all just trying to be in control. In, 100%. We all are trying 100%. all the time. Yeah. And, and even with kids with food, you know, the parent says, eat your broccoli. And the kid says, don't want to eat the broccoli. Eat your bro-. It doesn't even become about the broccoli. It becomes about the control. Yeah. If I want to like, make I that said for you to do this, so do it. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, and we, we have this till the day we die. Yeah. And so with children, if they have this ability to say, wow, that's a thought in my head. And it, it's, there's no thoughts that are negative thoughts. Never, never, mm-hmm. never. Yes. They're just thoughts that maybe are a bit uncomfortable Yeah, or they, mm-hmm. they, you know, but, but it's this idea of sitting through it and I am not, my thoughts don't control me yeah. and my, you know, I, I, I know how to, how to get through and it might take some time. It might take some patience, which goes back to the discussion we're having earlier about the, the television show and sitting through the commercial. Yeah. It might take a bit of that, but that's the resilience piece, Allie. Mm-hmm. Like that is the piece that we need to teach these kids because kids right. who are growing up not learning about mental resilience, you know, are going to be in situations where they just don't know how to deal. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, when we were younger and you went out for a bike ride, and you were on your bike ride and you're with your friend and you hit a pothole and you fall and you scrape mm-hmm. your knee and you're bleeding everywhere. You got to figure your stuff out. Like you got to mm-hmm. either go to a neighbor, you have to limp home with your friend with a yeah. bleeding knee. Yeah. You've got to be resilient. You've got to figure something out. It's a problem. Let's figure it out. Whereas nowadays it seems the kids just grab their phone and call for help. Right. Yeah. So, you know, how do we teach kids about how to problem solve, how to be mm-hmm. resilient? And, and teach them about the power they have inside of themselves so that they, when they do encounter these uncomfortable situations, they go 
inside to their breath, or they go to the feelings of calm before they reach for the external noise. Mm -hmm. That is the pacifying things like the alcohol, like the eating disorder, like the anxiety, like all of the stuff that, that sort of numbs us out because we feel discomfort. Mm -hmm. Let's just try to pacify it, pacify it. Well, let's actually, let's feel it. Let's Mm -hmm. feel those emotions and work through them. And, you know, Tate is there to support you through them and hold them for you. And, and then to know that we have some control in that situation, because we do have some tools in our toolbox to help us through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just like, it's so important for kids to learn that, I mean, a few things. Number one, that nothing is good or bad. No feelings, no thoughts, no emotions, like being oversensitive. That's not bad. Like being shy, that's not bad. And nothing should be labeled on them when they're children. Like if they're six, seven, eight, they're still developing and everything that they're experiencing, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's what leads to problems down the line because you develop those beliefs that crying is weakness, feeling this emotion is bad, like doing this is bad or this is good. It should be this way or this way. And then the biggest thing I notice with kids, especially is when they get overstimulated or they get hurt, kids cry in a way that like adults, like the older you get, you learn not to, right? You cry in a way that it's like you're heavy breathing, like you're in full panic mode and they forget to breathe. Like they don't breathe. And the first thing you tell them is like, okay, just breathe, take some deep breaths. And then like you go from there because you're trying to regulate them. But if they, and a lot of people don't, well, I don't want to say a lot of people, but I feel like people don't let kids regulate themselves and said they're like you're fine just stop crying and then they want to like move on and be done with it but no like try and teach the child how to regulate themselves like just to breathe through it and then you can figure out what's wrong well a lot of the time yeah well sorry I'm gonna the lot of the time they're gonna keep going because they know of the outcome that they're gonna receive like it's that attention piece too right and it's like when kids kind of act out and they're just like, they want the attention and they're just going to like, <laughs> like for it, they're not, <laughs> there's nothing actually wrong, but I don't know. I just feel like so much could change if kids can just like, and they don't even need to know it's regulating themselves. They just need to know that they can breathe. Well, and I, I think this is the, is one of the biggest things that we're forgetting is yeah. that it's easy for us as parents, as caregivers to say, calm down, take a deep breath. But what is really important is I like to think about this in pillars of three. So let's Mm -hmm. say as a parent or caregiver, we have, and we do a lot of things, but let's talk about this in terms of, okay, we engage in physical fitness with our kids. We engage in education. We take them Mm -hmm. to school and do those other things. And then we have mental fitness. So we've got those three pillars, physical Mm -hmm. fitness, education, mental fitness. With physical fitness, you know, we take our kids to let's just say movement. Let's call it movement, Mm Allie, physical movement. So we take our kids maybe to sports activities. We go out for walks. We, Mm -hmm. you know, we do these things with our children. We spend a lot of time. We spend a lot of money and -hmm. it's really good because it's really good for children to be engaged in this area for many reasons, cardiovascular health, all of the other things. The middle pillar, education, we take our kids to school and we maybe have them in tutoring programs Mm -hmm. through COVID. A lot of people did that. We might do music programs with them. So that's sort of the education pillar. But then we think about mental fitness or mental movement Mm -hmm. and, and what are we doing and Mm -hmm. where, how are we helping support that? And when I look at the first two physical, physical fitness or movement, and I look at education, you know, you wouldn't put your child, let's say, and let's go to just a sports game as an example, you wouldn't put your child in a hockey, we're Canadians. So you wouldn't put your child in a hockey game if they'd never had the opportunity to practice what Mm -hmm. it, how you play hockey. You wouldn't just say, go play a game. You'd practice it. So you'd say, Mm -hmm. this is the stick and the puck, and this is what you do. So when they're playing the game, they know what they're doing. They've kind of been there before. They know where to go. They know that you've got to put the puck in the net. Education, you wouldn't give your child, let's say a spelling test. If they'd never had the opportunity to practice their spelling words, you would Mm -hmm. probably set them up for success by giving them some practice. So you would proactively do that. So when it's test time, you set them up for success to, to do, you know, to be okay and to feel confident with mental movement or mental fitness. We don't 
practice anything. We mm-hmm. just wait until there's a problem. So, yeah. oh no, there's an eating disorder. Oh no, there's there's an issue. There's a sleep disturbance. There's anxiety. And and part of that is is twofold. A, it's harder to see. Yeah. But B, B, we didn't grow up with this idea of practicing mm-hmm. mental fitness, mental movement. So what I'm trying to do is say, okay, physical fitness and education, we proactively practice it versus it just being reactive. Mm-hmm. Over here with mental movement, mental fitness, is are there a couple of little things that we can do that are a fraction, an iota of the cost? A, yeah, I was going to say half the time you don't need to spend any money on it, hardly especially anything. when they're kids. Hardly anything. And, and I can tell you it will improve both of these other pillars, physical fitness and education. They all are complementary. But it's it's hard for us to just say, calm down, take a deep breath. Well, that's that's kind of unfair because we haven't mm. given them the opportunity yeah, to practice what that feels like. How do like. they know what that is? First you know, when it's when it's game time for mental for mental stuff, mm-hmm. when it's really game time, let's at least give them some tools that they kind of can give themselves a little bit of a step up to get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no, and I think I mean it's cultural problems. It also should be like part of school, like you do. F- gym or whatever is it called gym now I don't even know but there's literally nothing I don't know if there is now when it comes to mental health feelings emotions like I mean hopefully there's something now well what's really interesting is I've just um got involved with a group and they're I don't know if you've heard you know in your time working with kids because I know you've worked with them quite a bit um but there's steam and stem toys and these are t- toys that mm. have to do with like um you know engineering and math yeah, and yeah, so there's stem, a, yeah. exactly so there's a new category of toys and they're called mesh toys and they stand okay. for mental emotional and social health okay. and what we're trying to do with this group of toys is really up up the standards like up the bar for these children who are so desperately screaming for resources mm-hmm. around mental, emotional, and social health. So mm-hmm. can we produce and can we can we have these toys in Toys R Us and in, in all of these mm-hmm. retailers right. um, across the country, online, wherever it is, that talk about all of these components around, you know, mental resilience, mm-hmm. um, you know, mental, like social health, like what are all these things? Um, what toys fit in these categories? And let's start talking about this. So I think the idea is to really, you know, the mission is to basically help, um, help children's mental health through play. Mm-hmm. So to improve yeah. children's mental health through play, because play is a major part of what right. children do. That's a huge yeah. part of their life. So we need to produce toys and not just tools, but toys that actually help them with all of these areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a exactly. really cool initiative. Yeah, it's yeah, really that's good. really really cool because that's the easiest way to connect to them is through toys. Yeah, like yeah. from the age of baby to I don't know how old um, 10 12 there's still oh, play- Legos things like that they're still going right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're still going, and then. And then they're unfortunately in technology, but. But, you know, everyone I talk to who is a parent who has a 13 to 16 year old, even a lot oh, of yeah, I guess they kids still... go to university, still have plush toys on their beds and right, still have yeah. a lot of them still have their blankets. And a lot yeah. of them have, you know, there's something that we even, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of our podcast today that the older you get, we lose that sense of play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we all still have that inner child inside yeah, of us we just don't we all have those well, yeah when we have those moments where our kids one of the coolest things I remembered about you not remembered but I've noticed when I had especially in the beginning when I first had our boys was this idea of me engaging with them with some mm. of the things that I loved as a kid so reading yeah. Bernstein bear books or whatever yeah. it is yeah some of the things that my mother did for for us mm-hmm. I was excited because there's something really safe and comfortable mm-hmm. when you engage with your child around something that really made you feel safe and comfortable as a child. Mm, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful connection. And so, you know, I think that that toys have this ability to do that for children. We just need to find the right ones mm-hmm. that will help promote these types of things. Exactly. Yeah, that's so true. Whenever you're like playing with a kid, whether that be like jumping on a trampoline or 
Yeah, reading a book, doing that. You're, I feel like you're like the most at ease because you are like in the play mode. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we don't, we don't really allow ourselves to do that as much because we think it's kind of like, why would we play now? Because we're like this old and we have too many other, we tell ourselves we have too many other things to do. But if you were just to like play for 10 minutes a day, I bet it would change your day. Mm. It's like a bit of a meditation. Yeah. Just like dance, go on a swing, go to a park, just like skip around. Mm. I don't know. Make yourself feel like you're so silly for 10 minutes and see what it does for you. I'm yeah. curious. Be good. Yeah, it would be very good. Um, before we finish up, can you just share a little bit about um, your business? So you have obviously briefly said Tate and we did Tate, but like, yeah, just give us a little yeah. synopsis of what it is. Uh, sure. A quick little synopsis. So uh, throughout through my experience with realizing that we needed to teach children about these tools, yeah, I started doing a little bit of meditation and stuff with the boys. I'm a meditation yeah got all my teacher trainings and uh, started recording meditations myself mm -hmm. and realized that when I would play them for the boys, they were interesting, but something was missing. Right. And so what I decided to do was when we take a child and we engage their sensory, their different senses. So we sort of mm -hmm. create these little vehicles through sight, through touch, through sound, through, you know, visual it really helps them go inside. Mm -hmm. So what I did was um, my business is called Mindfully. Mm -hmm. And uh, my little puppy that I've created is called Ta Meditate, but Tate mm -hmm. for short. Yeah. And the best way to describe it to, to listeners is to think about a Peloton bike. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so a Peloton bike has a bike and then it has the online audio content. Yeah. So in this case, what I decided to do was mindfully is the online audio meditation content. So mm -hmm. my business is www.mindfully.com with two eyes. And on this um, platform, I have a meditations library and there's tons of different meditations. There's ones about adventures and there's meditations about affirmations and the world. And there's just music. I've just, I'm recently, um, have just recently, depending on when the podcast here launches, um, we'll be launching a Tate for teens. Mm -hmm. And the way it works is Tate is a puppy. It's a little mm -hmm. plush puppy. It has a Bluetooth speaker inside of the belly that has a headphone jack in it. If you want to listen with headphones as well um, in a loud space or on an airplane or in a car ride, because you can download the meditations to your phone or your device, right. your iPad, your computer, like a kid's iPad or anything like yeah. that. Um, and our app is actually coming out very soon. But when it's played through the puppy, you have this full sensory engagement. So you have the visual, which is, you know, you can see the puppy, you have the tactile. So Tate has five different shapes on its bodies on its mm -hmm. paw. It has four different shapes, a square, a triangle, a star, and an infinity eight. And they're used actually for breathing exercises, which is one of the categories in the meditation. And they're used mm -hmm. to trace the children trace those that. square square breathing and they actually yeah. do square breathing in in like like they teach square breathing to to people that's in like the therapy like 101 seals yeah, yeah like they learn that just, in therapy yeah yeah right i mean stimulate the vagus nerve your exhale yeah. longer than your inhale so they're shape breathing they learn about their breath and about how they feel when they do different breathing and then on tate's chest there's a little heart and it's mm -hmm. an essential oil heart so you can add mm -hmm. essential oil hearts so that's the olfactory sense and yep. then the auditory sense is obviously listening to the meditation. So all of a sudden we have these four amazing sensory, you know, parts that are engaged in the child mm -hmm. and it helps them. They're like little vehicles that help them feel calm. It helps mm -hmm. transition them from that sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic in a beautiful, gentle um, supportive way where mm -hmm. they go on these little adventures with Tate. So Tate basically speaks or guides them, talks to them, you know, Oh, hi, my name is Tate. And they're very calming. All of the meditations have some deep breaths in them. Um, so it's been, that's basically what Tate, what Tate is all about. Pretty cool. Changing yeah, the world yeah. out here. <laughs> doing my best, Ali. Yeah, I'm doing no. my best. And, and it is, it's one of those things as a mother of four young boys mm -hmm. who has a husband who is a, the most incredibly supportive human, yeah. but also works a lot. Yeah. Um, I never started out to start a business like this. Right. And when I got into it and when I started making products, 
prototypes and sending them out to people and all of a sudden realizing that people wanted them. And then the messages I get, the messages I get from people and the pictures are my currency. They Mm -hmm. are what keep me going every Mm -hmm. single day when it feels overwhelming and it feels like a lot trying to balance it all. It is, oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's really cool. It's really cool. I think it's like the greatest invention ever and every child needs one, but I mean, every child needs one, but they need to use it. Like you can just get it right. Like people can give it to them, but they, they need that person to kind of guide them through it, to start them into it. And, and And one of the things that's really that we're trying to grow with mindfully is grow our community. So I mentioned when I started meditating, I had that community, that accountability, that feeling behind me. And, you know, for people who go to the site, we have a mindful playground, which will send different emails and we're going to start doing scenarios. So we're going to start having meditations around a child's first day at camp, you know, how Mm. to get them prepared for that. Um, If there's you know, divorce in the family, if there's a new Mm. baby, all of these scenarios that we as parents deal with on a regular basis to help sort of prompt parents. Mm -hmm. And, and I do think that, you know, my intention is not to say, oh, yet another thing to add to the list of things we have to do as parents. But, you know, every one of us has to put our kids to bed at night, for example, every one of us. So is there one night a week, like a mindful Monday that Mm. you can just make a commitment to do for one month, you know, can mm. we do every Monday and do a meditation? I, I mm. will almost guarantee, yeah. I literally would almost sit here and put it in writing and say that once kids start doing this, if you even just prompt them, Hey, would you like to do a meditation? And it doesn't have to be, it should never be meditation or mindfulness should never be forced. Like go brush your teeth, make your bed. Like it's not like a go do a meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you can do is instead of reading a book at night, go and sit with your child and listen to it. Mm-hmm. I guarantee even for you as a parent, sit beside them and lay down and listen to that meditation. And you might, I've had parents email me and say, oh, my, Natalie, I wanted to tell you my magic treehouse door was actually circle and was red and it was really neat. And it's actually really, it's like, <laughs> it's, a, so it's, cool. like it's like, well, it's adding that play back in kind of. It's really good for you as well. Yeah. So if you're someone who's not necessarily able to adopt a meditation practice, but mm-hmm. you know what? It was like when I was, when I was, uh, you know, when you think about it, when I was pregnant, I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to stop doing certain things because I know that they're not healthy for the baby inside of me. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when we know that it's healthy for a child, it helps push us over that, Mm -hmm. over that threshold to be like, okay, maybe I'll try this out. So this is a really great way to even get as parents to get them to doing it. And it also is a good way to help listen to some of the language Mm. and some of the talk around how to speak to your child about emotions, how Mm -hmm. to speak to your child about difficult situations, because you will get some tips and tidbits from Tate as you're going through these meditations and listening to them. Right. Super cool. Yeah. So anyone who's around kids, yeah, definitely. We'll have everything um, linked so people know where to go to get Tate and People can, can you use the meditations without Tate or do you so need you can. Tate? Yep. Okay. Yep. You can have a, you can just go on and get a subscription. It's yeah, uh, the so way it works go. is either with every purchase of Tate, it's uh, you get three free meditations. Okay. And then like any of the other online apps like Headspace or Calm or any of the others, you can become a member and it is either $3.99 a month or $43 for the whole year. And that's for your whole family. So everyone in the family, you only need one subscription. So when you look at the math, like look at the math, Ali, and and not to come down to numbers, but think about how much, if anyone is listening, think about what you spend on your kids' physical movement, the things we sign them up for, the gas money alone to Mm -hmm. and from, Think about what we spend. So $43 for the whole year for your entire family, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a puppy to go with it. So let's say the total math is like 120 or something. Mm-hmm. It is so incredibly affordable when mm-hmm. it, when you compare it to what you're spending in these other areas. What we need to do is start talking to parents about why mental movement is just as important as physical movement. And the reason why we don't know yet is because we didn't grow up with it. So Mm -hmm. we don't know how to access it and where to go with it. Mm -hmm. But as someone who is a huge physical movement advocate, I can tell you that mental movement is 
it's so important to teach our children. It will change mm-hmm. their lives. It will change their lives as they grow up. I'm yeah. Telling you. 100%. It will do. Yeah. Well, yeah. Everyone can get that. And that's like literally, I mean, just the subscription, $3.99 a month or $43 a year. That's like less than buying a Starbucks. And I'm sure if you're listening, you spend, I don't want to know how much money you spend at Starbucks every month, but like one drink is now like $7. So you can definitely make it happen. Yeah. Um, and if you can't, that's okay too. There's definitely certain ways that you can add mindfulness into a child's life. But yeah, yeah super amazing. Alrighty, before we say goodbye, I do have some rapid fire questions. So okay. I have five questions for you. Just let whatever pops up be the answer. Yeah. Like don't second okay. guess it. Uh, okay. Here we go. Your first question is, what is something you do that makes you feel good? Um. I really like to check in with other people and see how mm. they're doing. I know okay. that sounds, I check in with myself a lot, Yep. but it makes me feel really good to check in with other people and just reach out out of the blue and just ask them how they are. For some reason that fills my cup. Mm. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> what is something that you value? That I value? Um, I would say I value authenticity. I value people who are authentic. I value being authentic myself. Mm-hmm. So I just value things and people and experiences that are authentic. Mm, love that. What is something you want to let go of? Let go of? Um, I would say that I'd like to let go of trying to do everything myself. I tend to have a personality that that maybe goes back to control and how I've how I was socialized and how I grew Mm -hmm. up and also genetically who I am. So this idea that it's okay to ask for help Mm -hmm. um, and that might be in the form of asking for somebody to help pick up my children at school if I'm Mm -hmm. busy doing something for work or help make dinner sometimes. that's something I would like to let go of is just needing to to do it all and saying mm-hmm. yes to every board and committee and yeah 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 just <laughs> that's finding my finding my boundaries that way yes boundaries yes exactly yeah. yeah um what is something you're working on so it can be like business personal it can be like the smallest thing the biggest thing like literally anything okay uh the first thing that comes to mind is I'm I'm really on a mission like mm-hmm. I'm, like I'm got my flag out here for teaching children about the, and parents about about this importance of bringing mental movement, mental fitness up mm-hmm. to to an equal level with with physical and education. Just you know, I don't like to use the term mental health. I think it's overused sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find different terms that resonate with people, mm-hmm. with parents, and so I am really working on that. Really gung ho. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> like my right. mother would say yeah. I feel like I got that from Jane <laughs> your last question is how do you want to be remembered hmm. um, I want to be remembered as my first couple things that come to mind are a mother who really listened to her kids mm-hmm. I want to be remembered by that I want to re- be remembered by a friend who cared mm-hmm. about about my friends. I want to mm-hmm. be remembered as, you know, a wife who felt like a real team player with mm-hmm. my husband. And I also think that I want to be remembered as someone who demonstrated self-love for myself mm-hmm. in the form of authenticity. So right. not being fake, yeah, but being real and mm-hmm. And because of that, helping other people with mm-hmm. their with their sort of um, comfort levels and feelings of safety around being their authentic self. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a lot of stuff I want to be remembered by, Ali. I don't know. It it really loops <laughs> in together. Like, if you're authentic with yourself, you're authentic with the people around you, and so that kind of then relates into who you are as like a mom a friend a wife a family member it all just it trickles in right so yeah yeah I think you're doing that I'm trying 
<laughs> that's authentic when I say that. I'm trying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's all we can do, right? Yep. We all have um, our Where can everyone find you and shop? Yep. So you can find me at www.mindfully.com and mindfully has two eyes in it. And I'm on uh, Instagram at mindfully meditate. Okay. And again, two eyes mindfully always has two eyes. We've we're starting to get into TikTok and Pinterest. Even Mm -hmm. I'm exploring all these social. I have an amazing uh, team behind me that is helping me with with some brand stuff. So they've been incredible and awesome. A shout out to them. One thing, there's no I in team. They're incredible, mm-hmm. incredible, incredible. And I just want to say thank you to them. And um, yeah, and honestly, I will say to anyone, please, whether or not it's about Tate or mindfully, I really want to um, support this whole initiative moving forward. So if you have any questions, the last thing I'll mention is around mesh toys. It's mesh.org um, oh, okay. to learn more I'll link about, that too. Yeah. Uh, about what, what we're trying to do. And um, if anyone ever wants to reach out to me around that space, please do, because mm-hmm. it's incredible. It's amazing. The woman behind it, who started it, the couple of women, a doctor and uh, another woman are amazing. So cool. So, so cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join me and share about all of this and all the goodness you're doing in the world. It's very much needed. So yeah. Well, and Allie, thank you for what you do for other people. Talk about being someone who's authentic and vulnerable. You may win the award for that. (laughs) Really and truly you do. And and by bringing this podcast to fruition and all of Mm -hmm. the things you do around you know, your clothing and all of the things that you're doing, you're just, you are really a shining star. And the only person that needs to realize that more is you. Mm, so thanks. I hope the more you do this, the more you hear these things and they, you start to really believe them and live them and not just hear them, but like feel them, right? Just Yeah. You have to feel them. That's the You got to feel it. You got to feel mm-hmm. it. And it comes with emotion to feel it, mm-hmm. but that's okay. That's okay. Cause sometimes we just got to sit with that. So yeah. thank you for what you're doing because you are putting all of this stuff out and it enables people like me who mm-hmm. wants to have a mission in life to be able to put it out to other people. Mm-hmm. So you're you're a beautiful vehicle that way. So thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That's today's episode with Natalie. I hope you loved it and you're able to take something away from it. And if you do have kids in your life, maybe, just maybe you'll go on and check out mindfully and grab yourself a Tate for your kids or you can gift it for someone Um, if you don't there's so much other ways that you can take something away from this so definitely uh, I think you should focus on adding some more play into your life I definitely needed that reminder so I need to do that Um, whether it's like 10 to 15 minutes like put a song on and dance or just like I don't know run around outside like it seems so like silly and small and kind of like annoying to do but I bet the effects are going to be amazing um and maybe meditation I don't do meditation and I really just really think I need to um and I think I need to approach it in a different way of me just like envisioning myself sitting there for 10 minutes with my eyes closed like I think it can come, as Natalie said, in so many different aspects. And I think it does have that kind of like label put onto it that we have to be like sedentary for so long. And it's really hard for us to do that. So that's something for you to play around with. As always, if you loved this episode, I would so love if you could share it with your friends, tag us in your stories if you listen. And as always, like and subscribe because that helps me continue to do this podcast and helps us grow. So I hope you have a great rest of your week and I will see you next time.